We have two scripture passages this evening, one in an Old Testament scripture passage and a New Testament scripture passage. The Old Testament scripture passage, it's not listed in your bulletin, but it's Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 through 45. So Daniel, or 34 and 35, not 45. Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 through 35, and that is found in your pew Bibles on page 1,378. 1,378. This is the story about Nebuchadnezzar who lifted himself up as God, and in order to humble him, God made him walk around like an animal, right? And when he turned his eyes to the Lord, he, and he cried out to God, he said these words. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High, I honored and glorified Him who lives forever, saying, His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? So that's the Old Testament Scripture passage. Speaks of God's sovereignty and ability to do whatever he pleases. Our New Testament scripture passage is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. It can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1505. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. This is Jesus speaking during the Sermon on the Mount where he says... Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you, will hear, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's the reading of God's word. May he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. This evening, we're also going to be looking at Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 10. It can be found in the back of your green Psalter hymnals on page 17. Page 17 in the back of your green Psalter hymnals. We're going to read the answers together with one voice. What do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds as with his hand 
heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from his love. All creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. It's the teaching of the catechism. Will you pray with me? Father, bless the preaching of your word this evening. Lord, may we walk away from this sermon knowing more fully, more deeply, more truly your fatherly care for us and all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we need to remember, as we're considering tonight, that Lord's Day 10 is a continuation of the consideration of what does it mean when we say, I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and in earth. And in Lord's Day 9, it says that He upholds and rules all things by His eternal counsel and providence, and we are told He can turn to good Whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. And that's what sort of sparks the continuation of Lord's Day 10, where we talk about the providence of God. The providence of God. And because we're speaking of the providence of God, it would be a good idea to ask yourself what's the difference between providence and sovereignty? Providence and sovereignty, because these are often confused because they're related, but they're not the same. And recently, I was listening to a podcast um, with John Piper, and he recently has written a book, finished completing a book on the providence of God, where he actually quoted Lord's Day 10. And John Piper um, says that the difference between sovereignty And providence is this. He says, God's sovereignty is his right and power to do all that he decides to do. So Job 42, 2 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So sovereignty is God's right to do whatever it is that he pleases because he's the sovereign. He's the ruler, right? He's the king. But providence is different than that. Piper says providence is sovereignty in the service of wise purposes. Providence is sovereignty in the purpose or the service of wise purposes. Or you could say providence is wise and purposeful servanty. Or 
<laughs> Let me say that again. You could say providence is wise and purposeful sovereignty. It's directed sovereignty. It's directed in wise ways. Isaiah 46.10 says, I declare, God says, the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. So providence is purposeful sovereignty. And so when we discuss providence, it would be helpful or it would be beneficial for us to know what God's purposes are. What God intends to bring about. And that's what Lord's Day 10 is talking about when it speaks of the fact that all things come to us, that is, the comforted believer of Lord's Day 1, not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. And when it asks us, what is our benefit? Or what good does it do us? How does providence help us? And it answers, we can be patient, thankful, hopeful for the future, right? And so, our theme then this evening, and our topic of providence is this. God, the Father, controls all things for the sake of his children. And we're going to look at this in two parts. The first is God's comprehensive care. I'll just put comprehensive care. And the second is the children's loving response. So God the Father controls all things for the sake of his children. First, we're going to look at God's comprehensive care. And second, we're going to look at the children's loving response. So let's look at this first point together. Father's comprehensive care. Question 27, it asks, what do you understand about the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds. Running out of juice here. It's funny, is that I asked Gail if there were more markers, and for whatever reason, this, this board does not like this marker. Isn't that weird? But you know what? It's all God's providence. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it, for whatever reason, it's rejecting the marker. Upholds. As with his hand, heaven and earth. So this is comprehensive, right? It's everything. 
all creatures and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things. You know, they could have just made the catechism shorter and just said, by which he upholds as with his hand all things and been done. But the idea here with the catechism of saying heaven, earth, all creatures and all things in creation is that we need to grasp what it is that Nebuchadnezzar the king grasped as he was lifted up out of his insanity and as he was pointed to God and he said nothing can withstand you. That God is the sovereign who orders all things According to his purposes, that's providence. Provide, provide is where we, a word that we use still in common terminology that is in correlation with providence. And the way that we can understand maybe that that Latin phrase provide would be see to it, right? See to it. We, We still use that in some ways. See to it. What we mean is, Get it done, right? See to it that this is accomplished. Well, God's providence is his seeing to that everything that he has purposed comes about. Well, we can look at it in this in creation, right? Creation is something that happens in Genesis chapter 1. But there is a continuous creation by which God is maintaining everything, keeping everything going. And there's two things that providence speaks against that we need to be on guard against because it creeps into spirituality all the time. And that is deism. This one's not much better. Deism is the concept that God sort of created everything like a watchmaker wound it up, and simply let it work by itself, right? And deism speaks of an absence of God. God is absent. At least it's a consistent spotty marker. So we're going to go with it, okay? Deism is, is an absent God. God is not actively participating in every aspect of creation, making things come about as they do. Um, when, when, when R.C. Sproul speaks of God's sovereignty, he says there's not one molecule down to the molecular level he speaks of God's sovereignty. If there is one molecule in this world that is outside the sovereignty of God, then we're all doomed, he says. Deism is the exact opposite of that. It is a, an absent God. God is not involved in the daily uh, workings of creation. But another way that we can think of this is, see, look at that. That is so strange. Pantheism. I know these are big words, but pantheism is the idea that God is in everything. God's in this stool. God's in our shirts. God's part of everything. God's so in his creation that he cannot be distinguished from his creation. And we don't believe that either. What we believe is that God is completely other, but that God is actively participating in his creation. That's God's providence. 
It's the almighty and ever-present power of God where God continues to create, we can say. He continues to sustain. He continues to uphold all of his creation. And so when we look outside and we see the changing of the seasons, we say God does that. When we hear of the fact that farmers are having a difficult time this season because of the drought, we say God does that. When we see that fall is really short and winter comes on really quickly, we we say God does that. And when we see that people are having difficult times and good times, we say God does that. It is every part of our lives that God is providentially active in. And I think we like God's providence, don't we? When things are going well for us, when things are going good for us, we say, we, uh, God is involved in our lives. There's blessings and all these things are being poured out upon us. But it's harder for us to say we want God to be involved in the hard times of our lives. Or at least it is for many people. In fact, I think of, I think of the way, uh, I don't know if any of you have been stall- following the story of, of Kanye West, but he's a modern hip-hop artist who's professed faith in Christ. He's come out with this Jesus is King album, and I watched an interview with Kanye West where he basically was saying that God is showing off through him. And this is an, a young Christian, an immature Christian, right? Um, and he's saying, God has blessed me tremendously since I've turned my life to him. I'm making millions. I've, I've, I've sold millions of records. I've done all these things. And he's saying, God is showing off through me. And the thing that I wanted to sort of wonder about Kanye, as strange as an example that this is, is that I wonder if Kanye would say the same thing if he turned his life to Christ and all of his millions disappeared and all of his influence and his worldly uh, um, popularity just vanished. Was God showing off through him then? The biblical doctrine, the biblical truth of providence is that yes. Yes, he is. Because even the bad things that come to us by our fatherly hand in this life are for our good. They are bringing about our salvation, the sake of his children. God controls all things for the sake of his children. That means, yes, fruitful and lean years, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty. And when I read those words, I think often of the marriage vows that we take. A lot of it sounds similar to that, doesn't it? In sickness and in health, we pledge our lives to the other. In, in fruitful and lean years, in rich or poor, right? We pledge our life to the other. And what that tells us is that we are to trust that all things come to us in this life through the Father's comprehensive care. If God is sovereign over all things and God is ordering all things for his glory, and we just so happen to have the blessing of being wrapped up in a display of that glory, then we're called to trust. And that's what leads us to the second thing, children's loving response. 
If Daniel chapter 4 speaks more of God's comprehensive care, our second passage also does the same thing. I'm going I'm to figure out why it's doing this. It's a mystery. <laughs> Just ignore me. Some parts of the board are worse than others. That's weird. The children's loving response. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is concerned with telling the covenant people, the covenant community, of who God is and how we're to live in response to who God is. See, the only reason that we should dislike the sovereignty of God or the providence of God is that if we believe that God wasn't good. But the display of God's goodness is, is full in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we have no reason to not believe that God is good. Therefore, the knowledge of God's creation in providence should help us, should benefit us. What good does it do us, right? How does it help us? It's invisible ink. How does it help us? How does it help us? I'm going to list a few of the things that the catechism says here. It says patient. Thankful. For the future, we can have good confidence, right? So I would say that's hope for the future. Patience, thankfulness, hope. If we believe that our Heavenly Father, the one that's described for us in Lord's Day 9 as our Father because of Christ, His Son, if we're told that we believe and confess that we trust Him so much that we do not doubt, He will provide whatever we need, body and soul, and return to our good, whatever adversity He sends on us in this sad world, then the knowledge of God's creation and providence helps us to be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well. And we can have good confidence in the future that our faithful God and Father will not be separated us from us. Nothing can separate us from his love because all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching the people of God In Matthew chapter 6, he's telling them, you shouldn't be worried about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. You shouldn't be worried about tomorrow, because tomorrow has enough worry of its own. And he uses creation as an example, an illustration, as to the providential care of God the Father. He says, look at the way that God the Father cares for the birds of the air. 
They don't make barns and fill them with food. They don't have refrigerators and freezers. Deep freezers, those are nice, aren't you? Because you can get like a whole cow of meat and freeze it for like a year. Frozen, how many frozen pizzas can you fit in a deep freezer? Man, that's, those are nice. They don't have those things. Yet God cares for them. And you, you're worried about what you're going to eat. But if God is providentially caring for the birds and you are made in his image, how can you not know that God is going to care for you? And look at the flowers of the field. Look at the way that God dresses the meadows and all their beauty and all their glory. But that's grass. Someone comes the next day and chops it down with a mower. You are made in God's image. You are his children. How do you not know that God's going to care for you? And that's why Jesus ends this by saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What Jesus here is prescribing is not a careless, hang loose kind of life where you don't plan anything. And you just sort of hippie walk through life without any worries or concerns because Dude, God's totally going to take care of me. What he is saying is that when you fret and when you worry and when you stress and when your anxiety builds up and when your heart starts to race and when you can't sleep at night because things are racing through your mind about all the things that you have to get done and all the things that you still need to do, That what you're in essence doing is saying you're a better provider than God. That what in essence you're doing is a type of idolatry because you're saying I want to be God. I want to be the one who's sovereign. I want to be the one who's providential in my own life. I trust myself more than I trust God. And Jesus is saying, that's why when you fret and when you worry and when you have anxiety about tomorrow, that what you're doing is putting aside kingdom priorities, kingdom realities, the kingdom of God, which means that you trust fully in your heavenly Father, knowing that he will provide everything you need, body and soul, and, bring, and make for good any adversity he brings to you in this life, and you're turning towards another kingdom, and that is the kingdom of self, the kingdom of your own priorities, your own doing, your own creating. And when that happens... Trust me, you won't find time to be patient or thankful or have hope for the future. Because what you're doing is pushing against the heavenly care, the almighty, powerful care of your Father in heaven. The children's loving response to the providence of God is to accept it. And to rest in it. Is to trust in it. And to put your faith in it. And when we do that. It's amazing. 
what we can face, what we can go through in this life. It's amazing that we can be patient when things go against us because when things go against us, we don't say God is against us, but we say no, rather we believe that this harm, this bad thing can be used for my good. It is storing up for me a weight of glory that cannot be compared to the sufferings that I'm going through now. It's amazing because we can be thankful when things go well. Rather than pleasing or praising ourselves for what we've done, we can say we know that this is from the hand of our Heavenly Father and He deserves the praise for it. And we can have hope for the future. Good confidence in our faithful God and Father knowing that nothing can separate us from His love. Nothing in this life can separate us from His love. And right now maybe we're thinking... Well, why would anybody worry about that? But the writers of this catechism were facing torture, persecution for the convictions that they had. They were facing death, being burnt at the stake for these convictions. And they were telling the comforted believer of Lord's Day 1, the people who had confessed this as their own, that you need not worry that whatever harm, as bad as it could possibly be, even being burned at the stake or separated from your family and tossed into prison, nothing can separate you from the love of your Heavenly Father. Why? Because all creatures and even all events in our lives are so completely in His hand. That without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. The children's loving response to the father's comprehensive care is to know that God is the father of us because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that he controls all things for the sake of his children. Is that something that you know? That you trust in? Is that something that you cling to when you suffer and go through hardships in this life? But this, no, this is from my Heavenly Father's hand, which means we can face it. We can get through it. And it can be used for His good. Is that something that you realize and you know and you trust and you hold on to when in good seasons of your life you do not forget the Lord but rather are thankful toward him. May we all, as God's children, continue to trust in our Heavenly Father and his providence for us, knowing that it is God's purposeful sovereignty in our lives that brings about his glory and our salvation. A salvation that's going to culminate in the new heavens and a new earth and new resurrection bodies and eternity where we will worship God forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us to trust in you. Help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that all the things that we worry about in this life will be given to us by you because you care for us. Help us to know that all things come from your, heaven, from your fatherly hand and not by chance. Even things 
of adversity, of suffering, of hardship. And yes, the blessings and prosperity as well. May we give you all the thanks and all the glory for these things. For we know that in them you are working together all things for our good. That we may come to know you more and be conformed to the image of your son more and more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.